Well, good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. We are almost there. I don't know if you realize, but Christmas is one week from today. Begin the freak out now. Uh, Here we are, whether you're ready for it or not, it is coming, it is going to be here in one week from today. And so thank you for being here, thank you for carving out this time uh, for us to worship and focus and spend our time lasering in on why this season really is important, and that is Jesus. And so we are so glad that you're here today. So I brought a candle with me here this morning. And, uh, and I'm going to light it because it's a candle, right? And so it needs to be lit. Uh, without that, it's just, uh, I don't know, it's a stick of wax. And, uh, and so I brought a candle for two reasons here this morning. The first reason is because I want to make sure that we remember, and Tanya did an amazing job letting us know what's coming up. In four days from now, in the evening, not in the morning, but in the evening, we will come back into this same space, this same room, and we are going to celebrate the birth of Jesus in an amazing way in our candlelight services. And those of you who are regular Northridges, you already know that, uh, as we do with all of our services, but on this particular candlelight services, we plan and craft, and, and you think that we're decorated now, oh my goodness, you're gonna, you should see what is going to happen on Thursday. And uh, we've got some people that are way, way, way better than me that have figured out how to make this space and transform this even more than it is uh, even right now. And so we're going to have a beautiful time, and we're going to end by singing Candlelight and, uh, and with the candlelight, singing Silent Night and all the different things that we normally do. It's just going to be a beautiful and amazing time. And so the reason I bring that up is because, Northridges, you already know what's coming. You know I'm going to ask you to do something, right? When we have these opportunities to present the light of Christ to the world that desperately needs it, that means everybody's all hands on deck, right? And so this is what I want to ask you to do. You guys already know this, Northridges. You know what I'm about to say. When you get here on Thursday, We have two different services. When you get here on Thursday, get here early. When you get here, and you can blow out your candle, I guess, early. See, this is how hard I talk, right? This is why you guys don't sit on the front row, because I've got to spit on you, right? I I get that, okay? So when you get here, get here early. Park far away. I know, that's totally opposite of what we normally do. Park far away. It's going to be cold this week. Still park far away. Just bundle up. It's fine. Drop people off that you need to drop off and then go park far away. And then when you get in here, sit close and sit inside the rows. Don't sit on the ends. Here's why we do that. That's very, very important. You guys already know this. The reason we do that is because the closest spots are not for you. The best seats are not for you. We leave those for all the visitors who are going to come and join us on Thursday. We are going to physically communicate to them before they ever see our face, before they ever experience who we are. We want to communicate to them, we knew you were coming, we value you because God values you, and we want you to know that right out of the gate. When people walk in, one of the best things I hear on Thursday, uh, that I'm going to hear on Thursday is, I got here, and, and it's amazing, it's packed out there, but there were, there were spots right in front by the front doors. And I'll go, that's amazing. I'm so glad you're here. We want to demonstrate how much value they have before they ever meet us. So get here early, park far away, sit close, sit in tight in the middle of the rows, and that's going to be good. So two other things I want to ask you to do. One, if you are coming on Thursday night for one of the two services, and it doesn't really matter which one you choose, I want to ask you to choose the second one. 
Uh, the reason that's important is because, man, we pack this place out. There's tons of people here. And to help balance the services just helps us out a little bit. And so if you can do that, that would be awesome. We balanced them out last year really well. And so we, and we kind of, it's the first year we asked you to do that. So if it doesn't matter, come to second service if you can. And then the last one. This is maybe even the most important one. We craft this service to present the light of Christ to a dark world. And we're going to have a ton of visitors. But you know how we get people that want to actually come? It's not because I invite them. It's not because I told you to park far away. You know where it's going to come from? It's because you invite them. My invite, they expect. When you invite them, when you put it on your timeline, on your social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is, when you share this, they expect me to do this. They're like, Brent's sharing the church stuff again. You know, they look at it like, oh, of course he is. But when you share it, it gives credibility because they trust you. Your invite is 100 times more effective than mine. And so when you see our social media, when you see somebody that you know, maybe uh, it would be great to invite them to church, Thursday night is a great opportunity for that. All right, will you join us in that? And it's all hands on deck, and we look forward to seeing you on Thursday night. All right, so there's another reason I brought this candle, though. And I'm going to have to relight it because, and I'm going to try not to blow it out again. Uh, we'll see if I can uh, manage that. I'll hold it up a little bit higher, right? But if I were to, you know, show you this candle, what is the purpose of a candle? It's to give what? Light, right? I'm not going to light this if I need warmth because it doesn't give a whole lot of that. But I am going to light this to give light, aren't I? Now, let's be honest, in, in, a, in a space like this that's really lit up, we have lights everywhere, we have sunlight coming in literally on all the walls. This is a light space, and so a candle is not all that impressive. You can see it, but it's not all that impressive, is it? Because it's light in the midst of light. But I want you to think, let's all come back tonight at 5 o'clock, by the way. On Thursday, that's what we're going to do. We have evening services. And let's imagine that this is all completely dark. The lights are off. Maybe there's no electricity in the area. And you're somewhere in the room. Maybe you're back behind. You're, you're across the creek over there in the, in the field or, or in the park or on the bridge there. And you're looking for the one light that you can see. Let me ask you this. Will you be able to see this little candlelight from anywhere in this space? The answer is you would easily see it, right? I want you to remember something today. It's important for what we're talking about. Light is more powerful than darkness. If you remember anything from today, remember that light is more powerful than darkness. In this world, sometimes we don't believe that, but it is true. And so today, I want to talk a little bit about that. So today, we're continuing our series that you guys know we've been in. And this series, we're asking a very simple but a really, really important question. And that question is very simply this. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? We know a lot about Jesus. We've heard about Jesus. We've heard about the cross. We've heard about the resurrection. We've heard a lot about Jesus. But in this series, we've been asking for the last several weeks, who is Jesus? Who is he? Who does he claim that he is? And so today we're going to answer that question by digging into Scripture, as we usually do. And so we're going to be in the book of John, chapter 8, for just a moment. 
Uh, so if you like to turn there, but I'm going to just give you one verse. It's one little statement that Jesus makes, and it's a very bold, it's a very clear statement that Jesus makes. He's speaking to a crowd of people, and this is what he says in John 8, 12. He says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Jesus claims that today the answer to the question, who is Jesus? The answer to that is he is the light of the world. He is the light that leads to the very essence of life. He is the essence of light. He is the essence of life. Now, a lot of people wonder, uh, Laura kind of mentioned this, you know, we get into this season and it's hectic and there's tons of stuff going on and we're growing here and there. And I don't know about you, but have you ever wondered why do we spend such a long time celebrating Christmas? Why do we spend a whole month doing this whole Christmas thing? You know, other holidays like we have the 4th of July and it's kind of this one day and, and your neighbors annoy you by keeping you up by shooting fireworks off, you know, on that one night. And we, we have other holidays. It's just this one day, even Easter, we kind of have the one day, but, you know, we have Holy Week and we kind of Lent and that leads up to it. But Christmas is this one thing where we're like, everything wraps around it for a whole month. Why do we do that? Well, one of the reasons, not the only reason, is that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Christmas celebrates the fact that we literally have the light of the world, the light of life that came to us, to be with us, not to, not to look on us, not to know who we are from afar, but to dwell within and around us. Emmanuel means what? God with us. Jesus is God with us, the light that he brought to us. So the question I have for you today is this. What do we know about light, and what do we know about darkness? What do we know about those two things? I want to offer three just possibilities, three suggestions, three thoughts of things that we know about light and darkness today. The first one is this. We know that light gives us hope. We know that, don't we? Light gives us hope. Light is something that we desire unless it's late at night or early in the morning and you're in your bedroom and you're under the covers and nobody wants light at that. Well, maybe a few people, but most people don't, right? If I turn the hall light on, what my kids do, you know what they do if they're facing toward the hallway when the light comes on and it's time for school? You know what they do? You guys already know what they do. What do they do? They flip over, the covers come up, and they're like, mm-mm, I want nothing to do with light right now. Right? But other than that, if we are in darkness, if we are in cold, one of the things that is the most comforting in the midst of darkness is what? When we see light. If the power goes out in your house, what's the first thing you're going to do if it's at night? You're going to go find something to give you light. You're going to find a flashlight. You're going to find a candle. And you're going to find a way so that you're not tripping over all the stuff that's in your house. Light brings us comfort. We desire it. We long for it. This is why we say things like, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Have you ever said that to somebody? Now, let me ask you that. Now, some of you are shaking your head. You're like, yeah, I've said that before, or I've heard that before. When somebody says, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, what do we mean by that? 
Have you ever thought about it? What do we mean by that? What we mean by that is we believe or we hope that we're coming to the end of the problem, the conflict. Maybe you have a project at work. How many of you have projects at work that take like months long? And when you get to the end of that, what do you tell people? Well, we've been plugging away on this thing, but I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. What you're saying is you're hopeful, you're expecting, you're longing for this problem, this darkness, so to speak, to end. You're looking for the end of it, aren't you? It, it's kind of like um, my family and I, one of our favorite things that we like to do in summer, we don't do this in the winter, but in the summer we like to ride our bikes and we like to take bike trips. And one of my favorite ones that I like to take our family to, and they've kind of, it started to become a favorite one of theirs. We don't do it every summer, but most summers. We go up to the Elroy Sparta Trail. I'm just curious, how many of you have been on the Elroy Sparta bark, Bike Trail? All right, several of you, just a, just a handful of you. Let me suggest it. It's, it's like a couple of hours from here up by Elroy, Sparta, that area. And there's this amazing bike trail that they've created out of the, the railroad bed that goes through central Wisconsin. And one of the coolest things about this bike trail is that it has three train tunnels in it. It goes right through the hills, right through the mountains. And when you get to the end of that tunnel, I took my family a couple of summers ago, uh, maybe three summers ago for the first time, and I said, hey guys, there's this half a mile long train tunnel. And, and they were so excited, and we ride our bikes, you know, and then we're sweating, it's really hot out, it's like 90 degrees, and we get to the edge of that tunnel, and you can kind of feel the cool breeze, but you, wouldn't you know it, when you got to the end of the tunnel, you can't really see anything. It is pitch dark inside. And you know what my kids kind of right away, they were kind of like, we're going in there? I said, oh yeah, yeah, we're going to hop off our bikes and, and if you want to turn your flashlights on, I'm not going to do that because I kind of like to live dangerously a little bit and we're going to go through this and they're like, man, I don't know, are you sure? And I was like, I'll, I'll lead the way, let's go and we went in and it was this amazing thing. But I have a picture of one of these train tunnels. Take a look at this picture. So if you look through the tunnel, what do you see on the other end of the tunnel? Do you see right in the middle that little pinhole of light? You know that if you're in the middle of the tunnel in complete darkness or mostly darkness, you can't see anything. And by the way, I've been in these tunnels. You can't. It's very difficult. Even though you have light coming in the edges, when you're in the middle, it is really, really dark. If you're in the middle of this tunnel, let's say that somebody just dropped you right in the middle of it. What would be the most comforting thing about being in that complete darkness? It'd be looking ahead and seeing that there is an end to that tunnel to that darkness, isn't there? You would look for that and it would give you peace. It would give you comfort because you knew that there was an end to the tunnel, to the darkness. But light does something else. Even more than give us comfort, what does light do? If you look at the end of that tunnel, what does it tell you that you need to do? It gives you a direction, doesn't it? It shows you where to go. It shows you what to point for. It shows you what to look for. It shows you the direction that you need to go. You guys know where I'm going with this, don't you? This is a very clear metaphor for life. The truth is that this life is full of darkness, isn't it? We experience darkness all the time. Maybe darkness is experienced by a lot of different things. But Jesus came and he said, I am the light of life. I am the end of the tunnel. I am where you need to look for. I am what you point for. There is an end coming to the current darkness. And you have hope. You have something to look forward to that's going to be amazing. 
Let me share with you the words that God wants to share with us from the last book of the Bible that explains what we're shooting for, what we have to look forward to. It describes heaven, which is a really fancy word for eternity with God. Let me just read what it says in Revelation 21.4. It says this. It says, He, God, will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Does anybody long for that? I've longed for that more in the last two years than I ever have. Because the amount of death and loss that my family and this church has experienced in the last couple of years alone, it's brought a lot of darkness. And I know a lot of you know this, and you've experienced it yourselves. And Jesus came to this earth to give us the hope to say that death is not the end. That there's a light that we are looking for, that we are shooting for, that God wants to bring us to. And this, this existence where we exist with him in perfection apart from the darkness and the sin of this world. Where there's no more pain. There's no more sorrow. There's no more tears. Anybody long for an experience like that? Man, I do. But the cool thing about Jesus is he doesn't just offer that in the future when we get to heaven. Jesus offers us an experience, a glimpse of that here on earth. It doesn't mean we're going to be always and completely free from sin and the darkness of this world. This world is broken with sin. But Jesus says, in the midst of that, you can have the light of life. Let's go back to John 8, 12. What did Jesus say? Let me just say it one more time. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Why? Why don't we have to walk in darkness? Because you will have what? You will have Jesus. You will have the light of life in you. Jesus is saying, there will be darkness. This world is messed up. It is broken. In this world, you will have trouble. He says that in a, in a completely different context. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. There will be darkness. But Jesus is saying here, but don't worry about the darkness. You will have to experience darkness, but you won't have to stay stuck in darkness. You won't have to be overwhelmed by darkness. Darkness does not have to press you down and keep you down and shove you into the ground. You do not have to succumb. You don't have to give in to the darkness. Why? Because you have the light of life in you if you've given your life to Christ, if you follow Jesus. He says you can be the light in the tunnel. How cool is that? You can reflect the light of life to others who need hope as well. And the truth is, darkness sometimes can kind of get us down, can it? And this brings me to the second thing that we know about light and darkness. So we know that light gives hope, it gives us comfort, it gives us peace. But one thing that we tend to do as human beings with darkness, you know what we do? We give darkness more credit and more power than it deserves. Don't we? 
We really do. This could be as simple as, you know, staying kind of locked in the negativity mindset. I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, I get there. Sometimes my kids get there. Sometimes even my wife gets there. I'm just being honest. I love you, dear. You're amazing. But we're just being honest here, right? The truth is that sometimes darkness gets us down. It affects us. It messes with us. And sometimes we give it more power, more credit than it deserves. Um, But let me just ask you this question. Have you ever thought about this? Did you know that darkness is not actually a thing? Have you ever thought about that? Darkness is not a thing. It's not something that you can bottle up. Darkness is not something that you can create. Darkness is even something that's really hard to describe apart from saying, well, I don't know, it's just darkness is really dark. Darkness is not a thing. For example, in antithesis to to that, light is a thing, isn't it? We have lights surrounding right here. We have white lights. We have kind of yellowish lights. We have fluorescent lights. You can have flashing lights. You can have red lights, green lights, blue lights. You can have purple lights. It's Wanakee, right? We, We have a lot of purple lights around sometimes. You can have spotlights. You can have dim lights. You can have lights that move and pivot. You can have sunlight. You can have starlight. You can even have light that comes from the moon, which is not its own light, but reflects light. You can have all kinds of different light. We can create light. I just created light just a moment ago. Light is a thing. But did you know that darkness is not actually a thing? Do you know what darkness is? Think about it. We all know what darkness is. Darkness is the absence of what? Light. Darkness does not exist except for the absence of light. the only way it can exist. Darkness is not a thing. Do you remember what I said at the beginning? Light is more powerful than darkness. It is. Always. If I light this candle, darkness cannot overtake it. Light, where light exists, darkness cannot live. Darkness cannot live where the light is in the immediate sense of the word. Light is more powerful than darkness. And the truth is that sometimes in our life we allow darkness in. Darkness may enter in to your life when you lose a job. That brings darkness, doesn't it? Financial darkness. Sometimes we get really, really scared about when we lose a job. It brings financial darkness. But let's be honest, it brings far more than that. It brings a darkness of kind of messes with our worth. We feel like we're not worthy to have that job. Therefore, we're not worthy to live in life. But the truth is, we don't don't sometimes see the truth, the light in that situation, which is we should not tie our worth to our job. A lot of people do, but our worth cannot be and should not be tied to our job. I'm not saying your job is not important. It is. I'm just saying your value and your worth as a person is not tied to your job. But when we lose a job, financially, it hits darkness. Emotionally, it brings darkness. 
You guys know when I first moved here, when we started Northridge Church, there was no church. There was no sending church. There was no planting church. And so I knew I had to get a job. Well, it took me six months to find a job. Part of it was because I'm picky, okay? So I'll be honest. My wife is like, yeah, he is. (laughs) But part of it was, I think God just needed to work some of my identity out of me and say, your worth does not come from a job. That six months was some of the lowest days of my life. I really didn't feel worthy. I couldn't, I couldn't even get my foot in a door. Seriously. Our worth sometimes takes a huge hit and the darkness creeps in. Sometimes darkness creeps in when we have conflict in our family at home or at work or, or in our neighborhood or with our friend group. Maybe all of a sudden somebody brings something up and then all of a sudden conflict happens and anybody get consumed by that conflict until it's resolved? That darkness seeps in, doesn't it? Some of us, darkness seeps in when something doesn't quite go our way or maybe a relationship that we put a lot of stock in, a lot of hope in. We thought it was going one way and then it turns sideways and goes a different way. Brings in darkness. For me, the most significant darkness that I've experienced recently is from loss. From loss of a loved one. That brings in a lot of darkness. I know sometimes we don't show it on the front right here, but it's going on inside. That grief is real. It brings darkness. But let me ask you this question. You already know the answer to it. It's a really simple, it's an easy question. You guys would ace this quiz. What is the solution to darkness? What is it? It's light. Always. The solution to darkness in your life is light. In fact, let me ask you this question. Who is the light of life? We already said it. Jesus. And so, let's, let me just ask this. Do you have grief today? Have you brought grief into the room today? Some of you, I know you have. If you've brought grief in and you need relief from your grief, you know what the answer is to that darkness? Jesus. The light of life. Do you need help? You know who your answer is? Jesus is your answer. Are you feeling like mentally you're just not in a space? You're not, you're not excited about Christmas? You're like, when I said Christmas is in a week, you're kind of like, oh, Christmas is in a week. I wish we were already past it. Some of you are like, some of you probably had that thought. Oh, I wish we could just be on, on Monday. I wish we were done with Christmas next week. Maybe your darkness, maybe you need help in the mental area. Maybe you need direction. Maybe you need purpose. Maybe you need motivation. Maybe you need help with a conflict in your family or at work. Maybe there's a project. Maybe your boss is just pressing in on you and, and he or she cannot stand you for some reason and you can't do anything right and you just need help with that. Do you know where you go? You go to the light. You go to the end of the tunnel. Race out of the darkness and go to Jesus who has the answers for everything. The answer to darkness is always light. Always. All right, I've got to keep moving on. I could belabor all of these, but let's get to the last one. So light, we know, gives us hope. 
It gives us peace. It gives us comfort. Darkness, sometimes we give it more credit than it deserves. It is, it is not as powerful as what we sometimes say it is or think it is. And then finally, the last one is that if the light of life has been given to us, if you are a follower of Christ, then what do you need to do with the light? You already know this, don't you? What do we need to do with light? If we're in a dark space and I have the only candle or I have the only flashlight in the space, what do you, what do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to pull that flashlight out and shine it and help everybody else? Or am I going to be like, I'm going to tuck it in my pocket and be like, I'm just going to look for myself, see where I need to go. Everybody else, sorry about your faces. You're going to stumble. You're going to fall. Deal with it. I'm not going to hide the light. What am I going to do? I'm going to show the light. I'm going to help. I'm going to shine the light for all to see. Why? Because it'd be evil to do anything else. Of course, we know that there's a scripture that tells us this. In Matthew 5, Jesus himself, he was preaching a message. And right near the beginning of the message, this is what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. Jesus says, you, if you're a follower of Christ, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the the house. Light is more powerful than darkness, but we, in order to see that, realize we need to shine the light. We're a little bit like the moon, right? We don't create our own light. Jesus is our light, but we do need to reflect it. We need to reflect the light of Christ to a world that desperately needs it. Now, what does it look like to share the light? Well, Maybe uh, you're having a conversation with one of your coworkers uh, at work, or maybe you're still on Zoom. Maybe you work from home still. A lot of you I know still do. Maybe you're having a conversation and, and it's maybe in between meetings and you're, you know, you're just chatting about what you did this last weekend or what you're about to do this, this coming weekend. Maybe in the midst of that conversation, you simply mention the fact that church or faith and making a, a God a part of that weekend intentionally is a part of your life. Maybe you just mention that to them instead of hiding it. You're probably going to mention all the other stuff you're doing. Well, we have soccer games. We have some basketball games. We have a Christmas party, and we're going to this person's house. We're going to do that. But sometimes we leave out the fact that on Sunday, we're going to go, and we're going to spend some time worshiping God. Maybe you just mentioned that. Maybe that goes somewhere. Maybe it doesn't. But at least they know that you follow Christ, that you have the light of life. Maybe it looks like having your Bible, the Word of God, in a more visible place than it normally is. Now, again, you guys know I've joked about this before, but this is, this is not that you have to be weird about it, right? I'm not saying like, you know, paste it on, like set it up above on your cubicle, or, you know, if you're on Zoom, some of you are on Zoom, and like make sure to set up the Bible, like maybe several Bibles behind you, so that when you're on Zoom, you know, and, they, and, and you pop on, and it clicks the video, you know, you pops up, and then we're all, and you're talking, and you're still on mute, and you're like, ah, I'm still on mute, dang mute. Right? And so you click off mute, but then they look and you've got the Bible sitting behind you and you're like, hey, what's that behind you? Oh, don't worry about that. That's just the word of God. I'm not saying be weird about it. Seriously, don't be weird about it. 
But maybe you don't, instead of tucking it under your nightstand and shoving it on the shelf or putting it somewhere, maybe you simply leave the word of God out so that when friends, when people come over, or maybe at work, because maybe you're going to spend 5, 10, 15 minutes at lunch, and you're just going to actually start reading scripture, and you're going to do that. And you're not going to hide your Bible. Maybe you, you put it in the corner of your, of your desk, and people maybe will see it. That's fine. But why would we hide the fact that we regard scripture at a high level. Maybe being the light is simply not hiding this. Not only physically, but in our life. Maybe it's as simple as inviting somebody to church for the first time. We talk about that all the time. Maybe that's as simple as it. Maybe you're going to take a step to invite several people to the candlelight services at Thursday that you have never been here before, never come to Northridge, never come to any church. That's a risk, isn't it? To share something from a church on your social media page, that's a risk. Because then people know who you are and who you follow, that you follow Jesus. The truth is that light and darkness, they compete. Light is always more powerful than darkness. And so where there is light, there can't be darkness. But where there is no light, there is going to be darkness, and darkness is going to take over because in the absence of light, that's what darkness is. And where there's no light, there's death and destruction. Let me approve this to you. So have you ever wondered this question? What would happen to us and to this planet if the sun suddenly just disappeared? I mean, instantly. I don't mean it blew up. I don't mean it slowly faded. I mean, just immediately, in a moment, the sun disappeared. It was gone. What would happen? Well, there's several things that would happen. Number one, first thing that would happen is the earth would start drifting around into space because we have nothing that holds us together as a solar system. And so everything would just start floating off into who knows where, into space. That's the first thing that would happen. The second thing that would happen, obviously, is it would get really dark. <laughs> It'd be really, really, think of the darkest, darkest, darkest night that you've ever experienced, and all of that light is gone. The only light that would be left that would exist is starlight. The moonlight would be gone also because the, sun, the moon simply reflects the sun. So the moonlight would be gone. All you'd have is distant stars. That's it. It would be the darkest of the dark that we've ever experienced on our planet. Now, after that, in a few days, a lot of the plants would begin to die, wouldn't they? Because they have no light to be able to do photosynthesis. In a few years, some of the larger organisms, like trees and things like that, they would begin to die because, again, they have no opportunity from the light to create photosynthesis. They actually store enough energy that they could survive for a few years, according to scientists but eventually they would succumb to this and they would die out. Now, one of the big, biggest things that would happen is that our temperature would drop very, very quickly. It would start to drop very, very quickly. And uh, in a few days, humans would not exist on this planet anymore because it would be too cold for us to exist here. In two months, I thought this was kind of a long time, but two months it would take for all of the oceans to completely freeze over solid. It would take two months. For, you know how long it would take for the oceans to freeze all the way through completely? The ocean's really deep. It would take 
many, 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 many years for the oceans to actually freeze solid. But two months for it to freeze over the top completely. The entire surface of the planet would be frozen in two months. In other words, if the sun, the light disappeared, death and darkness very quickly. Now, that's maybe not the most interesting part. If the sun went, disappeared, how far away is the sun from the earth? Some of you already know this. 93 million miles away from us. 93 million miles. Now, if you calculate the speed of light, light travels at 186,000 miles per second. So at that speed, it takes light from the sun to get to planet Earth, to get to our surface, 8 minutes and 19 seconds. 8 minutes and 19 seconds for the sunlight to get from the sun to the planet's surface. 8 minutes, 19 seconds. Now, if the sun disappears, you know what that means? It would be 8 minutes and 19 seconds before anybody on earth actually knows that it was gone. Now, according to the speed of light, that's like an eternity. That's a really long time. Here's why I bring that up. I wonder how many people are living on this earth not realizing that the sun, S-O-N, has completely disappeared from their life. I wonder how many people are still living on this earth not realizing that the sun, Jesus, is no longer there because they've run from him. Now, the truth is we all know, I hope, the truth of what God offers to us. God is everywhere. He's always there. He offers us the light of life. But some people reject the light and embrace the darkness. And so one of the biggest reasons why we need to share the light of Christ is to help people realize that God has offered them the greatest joy and the greatest peace and the greatest purpose and direction that we have to offer in this life. The very light of life. The very peace in the midst of the darkness. And so the question I have for you today as we go into our Christmas week, is this. Do you have the light of life in your life? Have you chosen, have you made a choice, a decision to follow Jesus? What did Jesus say at the very beginning of the message today? John 8, 12, what did Jesus say? He said, I, Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and if you do what? If you follow me, you will have the light of life. You won't have to walk in darkness. Have you made that decision? If you haven't, let me encourage you that light is more powerful than darkness. And Jesus has offered that to you today. Will you accept it? Are you willing to receive it if you haven't?
But maybe a lot of us in here, you're like, That's, that, I've already done that. I already believe in Jesus. I've already accepted the light of life. I've already, I, I'm following Christ. Then my question to you is very simply this. How closely are you following and are you reflecting? Are you overtly sharing the light of Christ? Or are you hiding this in your pocket? Which means, by the way, your pants are going to start on fire. Don't do that. There's another metaphor for life. That's a whole nother message. But seriously, if you have the light of life, how much can you promote it? How high can you get it? How much can you put it out there to let people know that you are a follower of Jesus so that they can have the light as well? Because if we hide the light, it is evil. We need to shine the light of Christ as fully and as great as we possibly can. So will you accept Jesus if you haven't? And if you have, will you begin to shine the light of Jesus in new and fresh ways so that other people can know the light that you have and the light that you follow? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for arriving to earth as a baby, living your life, growing up as a human being, God in the flesh, so that you can declare that you're going to do everything possible to bring the light of life to our existence here. God, if there's anybody in this room or who is joining us online that has never given their life to you, maybe they're sitting here and they realize they've, maybe they've even gone to church their whole life or most of their life. Maybe they're just coming back to church for the first time ever or in a long time. Maybe there's somebody watching online that, that we've never met, but they're just listening. They're watching right now. God, I pray that you would help them to give their life to you, that you would just have them realize and say to you, Jesus, today I accept you. I believe you died on the cross for me. You rose from the grave for me. I believe you give me light. And today I accept you, Jesus. I accept the light. I commit to follow you the rest of my days. Lord, if there's somebody else who's here that they made a commitment to follow you a long time ago, but maybe they've drifted. Maybe they have not drifted, but they're not really doing much to promote and share the light of Christ with anybody around them. And this Christmas season, maybe it's drowned it out. Maybe the busyness and the wrapping and the, and the lights and all the hundreds of things that we kind of put under our calendar, under our schedule, has drowned out the peace and the joy of realizing and remembering that they follow you, the light of the life. I pray that they would remember where their purpose, where their direction, and where their hope and their peace and their comfort comes from. 
that comes from you, our light, Jesus. Help us in this last week as we go toward Christmas to celebrate you, to praise you, and realize that you are the Savior that has come to this world to be with us. Help us to follow you, our light. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.